again, thank you so much. What a wonderful celebration we'll have tonight with the cantata. I look forward to it so much. Today we're going to look at what Advent means. It celebrates the coming of the Lord. Advent means actually Christ entering into the world. He not only came, uh, some would say, in the year uh, so 3 B.C., somewhere around that, even though our time is marked by his birth here in this year that we live in, in the year 2019, he will come again. And that's what Advent is talking about, the coming of the Lord, the second coming. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the 24th chapter, at the 36th verse. And these are all red letters, so Jesus is speaking this, and he says, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the scripture, Jesus is sharing with the disciples after the event, the lesson of the fig tree, and he's talking about these great and wonderful things that are about to take place. Not only is it the passion of the cross and the empty tomb of resurrection, Christ is making it clear that not only is it a historical event that is taking place, it is a future event. I remember in seminary studying about the eschaton, or the coming of the Lord, I enjoyed it. Some in the class did not, for they could not really put their minds into the understanding. But for me, I've always seen the great mystery and understood that God is at work. For I'm an Augustinian the way I think. I think all things are connected. The stars in the heaven to the earth below to the events of our life, that God is working a great and wonderful miracle. There are paths that we can choose, but there's only one path of salvation. In fact, Hannah, she went back to seminary this morning. Uh, she's heading back up. She has papers due, and she's been studying about St. Augustine and learning about this man who is able to see so much and be the father of the church in so many ways. And one of the ways is he was a strong teacher about the eschaton or the coming of the Lord. And here Jesus is making it clear that we're to understand this coming of the Lord. Now, the reason I think some struggle with this is it deals with big things. It deals with heaven and earth. 
and things taking place. But to me, it's about little things. In fact, if you think about this scripture, it goes from general things, big things, to specific things. In other words, he says about that day, and then he takes it down to an hour. So he's not only talking about a day that is coming, he's talking about an hour that is coming. If you go in my office, you'll notice there's a sign on my desk that says simplify. <laughs> um, in fact, when the thieves came, I guess that's been a few years ago, hasn't it, Brad? They broke into the church, they broke into my office, and they just tore it all apart. It was so terrible. I took pictures, uh, and they took that simplify, and they stepped on it. They bent it, and I bent it back, and now it sits on the desk a little crooked. See, what they don't know is the reason that sign is on my desk is my father. He told me early on in ministry, he came to hear me preach one time, and he uh, we, of course, would always just critique each other's sermons. And afterwards, we're eating the meal, and he said to me, he said, Jerome, he said, your sermons are just too complicated. You just got to simplify your sermons. Remember the oak tree. And I said, what does an oak tree have to do with it, Dad? And he said, just remember the oak tree. So I think of that oak tree often when I stand here in this pulpit. I think about how our faith really is about specific things not big things and general things those are for other people to figure out what we figure out is the moment so some can struggle with the day of the lord but let's just look at the hour of the lord the hour of the lord and what is different about the hour of the lord well an hour is not very long is it an hour flies by what 60 minutes i don't know how many seconds but in an hour, God can do amazing things. In an hour, God can change a life and offer opportunity. An hour can make all the difference. See, Jesus is helping us to understand that his coming again is not about these big things, but it's about the little things. And he helps us to understand it even more when he says later in the verses that there will be two doing something in a field, and then one will be taken away. So here we understand it not just about that there will be one left and this rapture will take place and one will be taken away, but how God works with the uniqueness of each person. Now let's look at these scriptures. The first scripture is about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Now there's been debate theologically, how could Jesus not know? Jesus is God incarnate, he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He understands all things. Well, some say that this is talking about the humanity of Jesus, where he's saying only the Father knows. What he's describing is that the coming of the Lord is going to come at a time where the world is just living its daily life. The world will be busy in its own way instead of busy in God's way. See, he's describing that day as a mystery, as a surprise. Isn't that how God usually comes into our life, as a surprise, a sudden awareness? Did you have that sudden awareness this past week when you gathered at Thanksgiving? You thought about how wonderful you have been blessed and I have been blessed in our lives to have family, to have friends, to have church, to have love. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Oh, I know there may be some arguing around the edges and on Black Friday there may have been some argument about what I should have got or didn't get or why everything's on sale or what's the meaning of that. 
I want you to know I'm very worried about the world right now. I understand there were mass protests where people were protesting Black Friday. They somehow think it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just part of the world we live in. Our age right now has tried to get rid of God and replace it with its own sacred. And the sacred is tried to replace it with is a weak representation of what is the better nature of us. We tried to make it into things that we do instead of who we are. We tried to make it into actions that are merited instead of the true heart of the matter. It's so easy to see what really matters in life. It's so easy to see it. You can see it most readily and most visibly when you lose the very thing that helps you to understand. It's a hard thing in life to see the things that we love and the ideas that we understand and the people we believe in and the changes that take place. But Jesus is saying, cut through all that and simplify it. What really matters? What really matters here and now at this hour? What is this about? I'm not just up here carrying on the tradition of my father and my grandfather. I'm here because God called me to be here to call us to the attention that there is something greater going on, but it's really about these simple things, these hourly things. God is calling us. And he says, for as in the days of Noah they were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now it's interesting that Jesus, he equates this particular action where God flooded the world with the coming of the Lord. And he does it to help us to understand the swiftness upon which the waves, they overrode the earth and how Noah and his family were saved, but the others were swept away. I know early on here when I was preaching about Noah and I talked about the people who were trapped outside in the waves pounding upon the sides of the ark and Noah could not open the door because the Lord commanded him not to and here he is listening to a world passing by. But for him it was real simple. It was just the ark. It was just the animals. And most of all, it was just his children, his family. And here he was on this ark drifting in an endless sea until God saw fit to dry the ground upon which he could land and humanity could continue upon the journey. See, God does that to us. He simplifies our life because we have a problem of complicating it. <laughs> just look at the drama. No matter what, just look at the drama people have. You maybe saw some drama this past week. Is the turkey ready? Is the turkey ready? Is the turkey ready? Finally, the turkey was ready. Did you children have turkey? I know you did. Do you have cranberry sauce? Yeah, you didn't have that. That's what I thought. I don't even know what it's made of. I don't even know. Some of you say cranberries, preacher. I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I don't eat it. God bless people that do, but I eat turkey. See, what is Thanksgiving about? It's about faith. It's about family. It's about fellowship. And it's about food. Amen. Food. And food is important. Jesus ate a lot in the Bible. He kept it real simple. And here he's keeping it simple for us to understand his coming. And he's using Noah to show us that God just 
will simplify our lives. He'll take the things that we think are important and make them not important so we'll truly know what is important in our life. And what is important is him. God is important. And he describes it even more than two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. I think it's the next verse there, Brad. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. What, what is this? Well, he's simplifying. He's taking all the complications and he's making it about the simple things, about the things that we can understand so God can work in our life. See, think about how God truly loves us. It's the basic element of heaven. This love is the basic makeup of heaven. Without this love of the cross, we would not know heaven. We would not understand heaven. But he takes this basic action and he helps us to understand the greater things that he is doing in our life. He awakens us. Now that term's being appropriated like they love to appropriate everything else that's Christian. It's used now as a term that someone is woke. Someone being woke means that they're well, progressive, and they've accepted uh, some postmodern understandings. And I'm not here to debate that one way or the other. And I pray you didn't get into politics over the holiday. I hope you didn't. Sometimes that happens. Down home, years ago, they were arguing about politics, and one man pulled out the gun on the other man and said uh, that they're there isn't a God, and the man said there was a God, and there was a shooting that occurred, and it weren't any kin to me, of course. I don't claim it, if it even were, but um, uh, they had the argument, and they were arguing about this thing, and the one thought the gun would help to solve it. See, we live in a world that, that is extreme, a world that does not want to accept the simple answer. God is not only real, God is active. And he is a living God. So in this scripture where Jesus is talking about the two in the field, he's describing the event that will happen when he comes again. And what will happen is the rapture where there will be two and one will be taken up to the Lord and the other will be left. Now we're not sure what that left entails other than they are not uh, able to go yet perhaps they are not to go perhaps they have already been judged we do not know this understanding of God but what we do know is not everybody is going to make it but that's one of these new beliefs that come out that somehow says everybody's going to make it it's a universalist teaching that happens in this postmodern land that somehow we think everybody can have their cake and eat it too, and we can do whatever we want to instead of what God would have us do. But the fact is, two will be there grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. So he says, to keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So we being awake is not the same as being woke. Awake means that we don't go to sleep. Awake means that we stay up. Awake means that we're diligent. This awake means that we're ready for the coming of the Lord. Now my mother, she used to tell the story back when she was a little girl. They grew up on a farm. There were nine children. My mother was the oldest girl. She had an older brother named Howard. And my grandfather, we called him Papa. He was a farmer. 
And they were out in the field one day, and they had been working some, and my mother was a little girl, and the children were all there, and they were gathered, and suddenly one of the children said, look, look, and they pointed up in the sky, and there were clouds being formed, and they were forming words. Now, my grandmother, she was a Leonard. Her name was Ruth Leonard. She was from Brunswick County, some of the ones down at Shalote, or some family of mine. They were shipbuilders in the 1800s, and Wonderful people, and so Miss Ruth, she died when I was young of cancer. I remember her as a young boy going and sitting on her lap and how she loved me so much and called me a little astronaut because that was when we first had astronauts in the 60s. Well, she's in the house, and the children start saying something's happening, and she was a God-fearing woman, and she run out the house, and she gathered all nine children, and they formed a circle, and she was praying because she knew the Lord had come back because he was riding in the sky. And my mother said that they all were praying as hard as they could down in the dirt there in Columbus County, praying on their knees. And my grandmother was saying, Lord, come and take us, take my children, take um, it's my husband, and take me. And then my mother said she sneaked a peek and looked up, and it said, R.C. Cola. It was a plane. They used to sky ride with planes, with clouds. And my mother started snickering and laughing, and my grandmother, well, let's just say that mama didn't laugh much after that, because that's what switches were for. But my mama told me the story, and she thought it was so funny, and I got to admit, it was humorous, thinking about them, thinking the Lord was coming, and it was RC Cola. And I tell you, if you never had it, get yourself an RC Cola and some peanuts, and put the peanuts in the RC Cola and shake it up, and you got something right there. I don't know what it is, but it's good. And on the side, get yourself a moon pie. How many like moon pies? I know. Look at John. He's, he's, he's John, you're turning red. You must really like moon pie. See, keep things simple. Don't complicate it. Don't make it where it's harder than it needs to be. The Lord is coming back. No ifs, ands, buts. No use to worry about when he's going to come, how he's going to come. We're going to know it because there's going to be a cloud. And it won't say RC Cola. And it's going to split the sky wide open. See, the Lord is coming, and that's what this scripture is about, and that's what Advent is about. See, the wise men knew something was happening. They went looking for Jesus, and guess what? They found Jesus. Jesus isn't hard to find. Jesus doesn't hide. He's not incognito Jesus, which means hidden Jesus. He's not hidden behind a veil. He's not hidden behind a stone. He's not hidden behind some idea. I don't make you walk around the church seven times to find him. I had a little friend when I was a boy over in Mackey's, over in, I guess, Birdie County or something where I started uh, school. My first grade teacher was Miss Buttons. That was her name, Miss Buttons. She, she was a good woman. She taught me to, you know, alphabet and everything. She was smart. But I, I, we lived over there, and in the barn next to the parsonage, uh, they had put all the funeral wreaths up in the barn. And that friend of mine come over one day, and he wanted to play. And I said, okay, Leonard, you can play. Let's play. And we were playing there, and we got in the barn. He said, what are those? And I said, those are funeral wreaths. And he got scared. He got bug-eyed, and he was scared. He said, those are funeral wreaths? And I said, yeah, and you got to walk around the house seven times backwards so you don't have no spooks follow you home. And he did. 
He walked around the house seven times backwards. He fell down a few times, and then afterwards he went home. And I went in and told Daddy, and we had a big laugh about it. But what he doesn't know, what Leonard didn't know, is I had already put triple X's on that, so it was no, no problem. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Triple X's, you ever had a black cat? There's always a black cat over here next to yours. Frank is over near your house, there's a black cat. And every time he crosses the road, I triple X my windshield, children. Don't think it's silly. I believe in superstition to a point. I used to carry a dollar bill in my cleat when I played football until South Johnson, they beat us and stole my dollar, honest to goodness. I don't know how they got it. I guess one of them was playing and said, look at there, a dollar. We win it, and I'm going to be rich now. And I'm going, where's my money? They stole it right out my cleat. See, we got to keep things simple. Jesus here is saying we need to be awake and we need to be ready because things are about to happen. And when they happen, it's going to be wonderful. The Lord is coming. But he tells us, understand this. If the owner of the house had known in which part of the night that the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming, and that's the title of the sermon, The Unexpected Hour. And let's just say it's going to be the hour we least expect. The Lord is coming. So the world's going to wind itself up. Elections and games and sports and politics and wars and earthquakes. The world's going to wind itself up. Elon Musk is going to have us on Mars. We're going to have cars that drive themselves. What is going on with that? The world is going to wind itself up. And it's going to be doing things every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of the hour, thinking that somehow we can somehow keep the waters of the flood from overflowing us. But the Lord is coming. And when he comes... Everything's going to be said all right. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. Justice will prevail. The truth will reign out. It will be forevermore. For Christ will come. So be ready, he says, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Let's keep our eyes towards the prize. To the eastern skies. For the Lord is coming in great power and might. On page 15, our communion celebrates this coming in word and table.